0: Earlier this week, I pulled out a few books to review in preparation for this episode, and out of one of them fell what I was using for a bookmark. It's a picture of my grandparents. Um, it was their 50th wedding anniversary, about 27 years ago, and they were doing a, a vow renewal. And I sat there and I just reminisced about seeing my Navy Captain Granddad. He was wearing his uniform, standing tall and proud and and his blue eyes lighting up when he saw his queen, which is what he called my Grammy, being walked down the blue living room carpet while I was on the piano playing Ode to Joy, the super simple melody with like one finger. (laughs) I admired their marriage so much that about 15 years later, from that moment, I walked down the aisle to the same song. What I didn't understand while watching this vow renewal was that... What they made look easy, in my eyes, at that point, probably took a lot of work. Serving each other the way that they did just doesn't come naturally sometimes in a marriage, and especially in today's society with words like soulmate or compatibility floating around. How many of you have ever thought, I married the wrong person? Or what if he's not my soulmate? Or how about we're just not very compatible? Well, I'm sorry to burst your little lovey-dovey bubble but it's all hogwash. Girl go grab your coffee, sit down, and get ready because I'm about to keep it real with you. Here we go. This isn't a game of ding-dong ditch and don't worry I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, Take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR Podcast with your host Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. Okay, when I say I'm going to keep it real with y'all, I mean it. I saw the way it happened when we led our own marriage ministry class. Whatever the topic of the homework was that week, suddenly we were like presented with this, these extra opportunities, so to speak, to work on whatever that specific thing was, like humility or forgiveness or communication, whether it was the Lord that gave us those opportunities to be able to speak from experience of working through it, or maybe he just showed us the good that comes from working through spiritual battles. It happens even now with this podcast. What God gave me to say this week, I found that he was speaking to me just as much as he was wanting to speak through me. So if I ever come across as like preachy or teachy, it's just because I'm saying it loud enough for myself to hear. Listen, Linda, this is a safe place to open up and be honest here. You know I do. So you can be honest at least with yourself to answer some of these questions. Has your husband or significant other ever called you out on something and your thought might be, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that or done that, but he just doesn't understand me. Or do you have friends in your life that enable you with negative thoughts toward your husband with phrases like, you got to look out for number one? Or have you ever lain in bed at night and wondered if you'd made a mistake? Or have you ever watched a romantic comedy that leads you to think, well, love shouldn't be this hard. It should come naturally. Me too. So today I'm going to define and break down the number one thing that's keeping you from a happy marriage and it might come as a surprise. I'm going to give you some examples of the damage and destruction that this one thing can bring to your relationships, especially your marriage, and then I'll be bringing you a biblical solution that will help you shift your mindset and prepare you for progress and success in your marriage or relationship. Why are you so unhappy in your marriage? Or maybe you wouldn't say that you're so unhappy but you know that things could be better. Why do you sometimes look at your spouse and think, really, this is it? Or, why is this so hard? One word, selfishness. Probably feels like I just smacked you upside the head, doesn't it? Well, author Dr. Tim LaHaye, he was asked um, one time if he could sum up in one word what the major cause of divorce today is, and his response was one word, selfishness. All of those thoughts that like creep in or pop up sometimes They're all rooted in selfishness or self-centeredness. I'm going to use those two words interchangeably throughout this episode because I'm taking from notes from two different books that I read, one by Tim LaHaye and one by Timothy Keller. So let's look at what selfishness is and why we even struggle with it. Aside from it being really a problem since the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, when they first sinned, today we're just Inundated with information that tells us to look for the perfect soulmate or someone that's super compatible, making us believe that there's this perfect person out there, just one, that's supposed to fill all these empty holes in our hearts. That is false. Timothy Keller in the book, The Meaning of Marriage, said, We say, I want someone who will just accept me as I am, but in your heart of hearts, you know that you're not perfect that there's plenty of things about you that need to be changed and that anyone who gets to know you up close and personal will want to change them. That is self-centeredness. People believe that love shouldn't be this hard. But why? Because of movies like Cinderella? Would someone who wants to play professional ball say it shouldn't be so hard to hit a fastball or score a touchdown? Do you think professional athletes sit out once they've reached a certain level and don't go to practice? the Olympics that we just watched, all those Olympians with gold medals around their necks would probably tell you otherwise. They show up and practice more than anyone. So where does this come from? Self-centeredness is easily seen as the opposites of what Paul says that love is in 1 Corinthians 13. You know those verses that are quoted at almost every single wedding. Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, and so on. Well, Satan likes to take whatever the truth is and spin it or twist it just enough. And that's where all of the opposites come from. If love is patient, selfishness is impatience. If love is kind, then selfishness is irritable. Selfishness is a lack of graciousness and kindness in speech. It's it's envious brooding on the better situations of others and holding past hurts against others. So what's the real problem with all of this? What's wrong with wanting what we want? What's wrong with wanting someone to be super compatible with us to the point that we feel that they're in the wrong when things are not going well in our marriage? Well, if selfishness is a sin, then there's going to be consequences and pain. We're all spiritually broken by sin. And in this case, specifically, selfishness. And yet Timothy Keller says, why should neurotic, selfish, immature people suddenly become angels when they fall in love? All of a sudden the wedding bells ring and you're not selfish anymore? Sin, namely selfishness, explains why marriage is so painful and hard. It's because of sin that it's hard. James 3.16 says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, There is disorder in every evil thing. So enter two broken people into a marriage who are both selfish. There's going to be disorder and chaos and every other evil thing if it's not recognized and dealt with. And the problem with it is that it just wreaks havoc. It's the enemy of every marriage. It's not each other. It's selfishness. It's sin itself. And this is what's at the heart of what leads to almost all marital disintegration. One person's selfishness responds to the other person's selfishness, and they just end up one-upping each other in the selfishness game, and it just builds and builds and builds. Conflicts or, or differences in personality, they don't destroy a marriage, but expressions of selfishness do. And the result of that is we're hypersensitive or we're easily offended or irritated or angered. And it's, you know, like a tornado, it just starts to spiral and grow bigger and more destructive. And we just spiral downwards into depression or self-pity or despair thinking, this is horrible. What did I get myself into? And then we act out on that and it just gets worse and worse. Every contributing factor to matrimonial breakdown, according to Tim LaHaye, is that we call, is what we call communication problems or intimacy issues, they can be traced to selfishness. Even the Ten Commandments, every single one of those, can honestly be traced back to selfishness. And that's what makes us rigid and intolerant of other people's wishes, or insensitive to other people's needs or feelings. But really, it doesn't just destroy a marriage or a relationship. There's eternal consequences for that, too. Romans 2, um, verses 3 through 8, it's kind of long, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, But do you suppose this, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and, do, and you do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. So there's... Not just the element of your life will be affected, your marriage will be impacted by your selfishness here on earth, but your own spiritual health and wholeness is dependent on it as well. What you sow into your marriage and what you bring into your relationships here on earth has eternal impact. You're either understanding and seeking glory for God or yourself, there's no in-between. And so the degree to which individuals, this I'm quoting one of the authors here, the degree to which individuals overcome selfishness determines the success and happiness of all their interpersonal relationships, especially marriage. And that's just because when we practice being more Christ-like or when we understand that we're bringing Him the glory, that naturally builds our sense of happiness. When we are selfless, and not selfish we gain happiness all right so what do we do about this what is the solution how do we actually help ourselves deal with our selfishness well obviously it's to explore what the Bible itself says about marriage specifically regarding selfishness so let's look at a couple verses here it says Philippians 2 3-4 do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. You know, I quote that one for my boys all the time, but it applies first and foremost to a marriage. And then in James 3, again, the second two verses, say, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we gain what we want in a marriage. We get the peace we want instead of conflict when we sow that into our marriage. The selfish heart is, is the root of all sin And if you're struggling with sin, trace it back to what it is that you're demanding or wanting for yourself. One former NFL player that I wish would run for office somewhere, he's an amazing Christian man and he's an author as well. He wrote an entire book regarding the racial divide in America uh, around the notion that we don't have a skin problem, we have a sin problem, selfishness. And again, any issue that we face really can truly be traced back to selfishness. And the real solution is the Spirit of God. He is the cure to our sickness. He told us he came to heal the sick. And in 2 Corinthians 5.15 it says, he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It's only through the Spirit-filled life that we can really be transformed. It's only when we truly understand what the gospel really does for our individual hearts. The Spirit can make you happy enough to be humble. The wholeness that you desire comes from your relationship with Him. And it's in that fullness and wholeness that it it frees you to be generous. Even when you're not satisfied with your relationship... You can be the instrument of change. But you're going to need a spirit-created ability to serve. How many of you, when you're, fe- <laughs> when you're feeling like something's wrong with your marriage and you guys are in conflict and you've been arguing, how many of you will jump up off the couch and say, sure, babe, I'll go wash those dishes for you? Or, hey, honey, can I make you a sandwich? No, none of us do that. Not at least genuinely. It's a spirit-created ability to serve one another even when we don't feel like the other person is stepping up to the plate. When we take ourselves out of the center and we put somebody else's needs ahead of our own, that's the spirit's work of making the gospel real to the weaknesses in our heart, that self-centeredness in our souls. We need that supernatural help. You know, today's culture is all about like a having a, a very individualistic view of marriage called the me marriage. And they find service and serving each other somewhat oppressive. And they just want to be able to be themselves and fully loved for who they are, exactly how they are, without being changed. And really, Christianity isn't about that. That's not what marriage was created for. And that's not what we as individuals were created for. We were created to worship God and to glorify Him, not ourselves. And really, I know I've said this in other episodes before too, but Gary Chapman, another author, he says, what if marriage is to make you holy, not happy? What if that's the whole purpose? So here's my challenge to you for today and to myself. Confront your own self-centeredness. At some point, you decide that your spouse's self-centeredness is more problematic than your own but you're going to have to realize that it's you and your selfishness that's just as big of a problem as theirs sometimes when we're wounded and in, in conflict or in an argument it makes us want to like minimize our own selfishness or or even really be blind to it but we have to recognize and confront it and be determined to, to see our own selfishness as this fundamental problem and to treat it more seriously than we would our husbands. And then we need to root it out. Just get it out. Go pick the weeds out of your heart and get the selfishness out. Regardless of what your spouse is doing, whether or not they're working on their selfishness, your selfishness is what you're going to be held responsible for eternally. Root it out. And, you know, even if the other person isn't aware already, you can still start to bring healing to your marriage by doing these things. You're going to need the spirit and his help. It's when we have that supernatural help with the spirit that we understand what selflessness really is and really how it brings this like sense of freedom and liberation, realizing how small-minded we were before and how we can stop focusing on how unhappy we are. So think, how do you show selfishness in your marriage? Have you lost sight of what God's done for you in the gospel? It's time to stop our selfishness and start sacrificially serving in the power of the Spirit so we can experience the deep happiness that marriage really can bring. Lord, I pray over these ladies listening today that you help them to identify selfishness in their hearts. I pray that Spirit, Holy Spirit, you come and you minister to their hearts and empower them to start acting selflessly and not selfishly. Help them to view their spouse as more important than themselves and to truly root out the selfishness that's inside. I pray that they see benefit and progress and peace in their marriage that ultimately leads to true happiness because they're whole in you first and they're glorifying you in their marriages. Amen. All right, I'll see you guys next week. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.